is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water. Stop. I got to tell you guys something. This week, I saw trees, forests planted in water. Do you realize that a forest that's underwater is called a swamp? This is where I spent some time. I was not with this. I didn't actually hang out with a lot of the swamp people, but actually some of them, literally. And and the cool thing that I learned about this is the guys was explaining the trees. He said some of these trees are just so well nourished that they will exist for hundreds of years. And it's just amazing how, how they live and how they thrive because they're planted in the water. They're planted in the water. In fact, that picture right there is like one of the famous trees. You see it posted, uh, there are paintings of it all over the place, and it's posted uh, all, all kinds of different places. They said like a Texas roadhouse, you'll see this picture all the time and other restaurants and other cool places. But I just sat there and looked at that. I thought, that is crazy amazing. But then he, but I, then I thought, whose leaf does not wither? And then sure enough, he said, yes, but even though they are planted right here in the water and they thrive, their leaves still do fall. And I thought, wow, he's actually saying the scripture, but a little bit off. And then I started thinking, wait a minute, that's actually pretty cool. Because in the natural world, the leaves are going to fall. But in the supernatural world, what God does is he causes it so that our leaves do not fall, in a sense. We're able to continue to thrive through the good and through the bad. And that's the beauty of it. Yeah, we're like trees planted by streams of water, but our leaves are not going to wither. So, so let's let's go back into this, all right? That person, get, get to that line where it says that person. That person, that's you and me. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prosper. So are you in? All right, let's grow. God bless you. You can have a seat. I, I want you to open up your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel chapter number 17 and hold your place there. Uh, today I'm launching a brand new series of messages. And this new series of messages is called Limitless because what it's about, it's about God's limitless power in our lives. Basically, we serve a God that has no limits. Is that right? Do you guys believe that? All right, then, then the challenge is since he lives in us, we also have that capacity for limitlessness, which is what I'm asking us to walk in. Now, this is truth. Here's the bottom line is, I, I'm praying that you will know the truth and that the truth will set you free because we all have labels that limit us, and my prayer is that we will break free from those labels that have limited us. The truth is, we're all ordinary people, but the battles we face, they are extra ordinary. And one of the biggest, biggest battles that we face is this battle that we face regarding labels that are put on us. And, and one thing that I know, one thing that I've learned, I've seen this over and over and over, is that labels have an extraordinary power over us. Now, maybe your pastor put labels on you, or a priest did, or maybe your parents put certain labels on you. It could have been childhood friends or some obnoxious, mean bully that put labels on you. 
maybe even a sibling or a coach or a teacher, but quite often it's even ourselves. You actually put a limiting label on yourself. And that label, whether you realize it or not, and this is the truth that I'm exposing, the label holds you back and it keeps you limited. So I'm encouraging us to tear off some limiting labels and replace them with limitless labels. So today my message is entitled Limitless Courage. Now this message is applicable and is practical for everyone who's listening, but today I'm talking especially to men. It's Father's Day, and on Father's Day, I always like to address my comments primarily to men. And and so I'm going to challenge the men who are hearing this message to create a new label for yourself, and that's the label of limitless courage. For several months, I have been planning a fun summer time away for uh, with my family, and I I. I plan this to recharge my batteries uh, so that I can keep myself healthy and strong so that I can keep leading my family and and pastor the church, influence the culture of the community, and thrive myself, you know, physically, uh, emotionally, and spiritually. And, and, and one of the things that I did, it was a big kind of a theme through our whole vacation this year, is I took my sons with me on the first half of the vacation to explore old Civil War forts that were on barrier islands that were... On the the uh, and some that were even on the mainland of the northern Gulf Coast. So we were in Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, and we also spent a day at the the National World War II Museum in New Orleans. And one thing that just kept resonating in my heart over and over and over is that how ordinary farm boys were transformed into extraordinary soldiers who demonstrated just amazing feats of courage. How did they do it? Basically, it was this, is they changed their label. And, and, And I personally want to tear off any limiting label in my life. So this series, I'm preaching to me just as much as I'm preaching to you because I don't want to live a limited life. I want to live a full life. I want to live an abundant life, the kind of life that Jesus died for me to live. Therefore, I'm challenging all of you today to do some label switching. And I'm going to ask you to embrace a new label called courage. Men, men, I'm challenging you specifically to move out of mediocrity in any area of your life that God shows you because we all have those where we need to step out of them, where we need to get more gutsy with our life and to live with more courage. I like what Nelson Mandela said. He was, in my opinion, one of the most courageous leaders of the 20th century who spent the majority of his life behind bars. And he said this, he says, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. He said, the brave man is not one who does not, it says, excuse me, the brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but it is he who conquers the fear. I want to conquer fear in every area of my life. Men, let's get rid of any form of crippling, limiting fear. Today I'm 
challenging you. And, I, and some of you, I believe, guys, some of you will leave here today, and ladies as well, but you will, you will be equipped and ready to make a few bold and very courageous moves in your life. I've been praying that God will take what I'm sharing today and weave it into your life and customize this message for exactly where your areas of fear and intimidation are so that you can tear that off and replace it with courage. I'm praying that something that I share today is going to jolt your life out of the ordinary and the intrepidatious so that limitless courage can be yours. Now, now keep in mind, this is a decision. It's something we have to decide upon. It's a choice. It's, it's, it's actually, though, a very godly and God-filled way to live. Guys, I, I challenge you today to, to have the courage to make that relational commitment, courage to start that business, courage also to end a relationship, courage to move beyond simply being a sperm donor to being a real father. Yeah, I said it. But guys need to hear that, especially in this city of fatherlessness. We need to have the courage to provide for our families, the courage to discipline ourselves, the courage to discipline our children, the courage to be warrior leaders, to break out of intimidation, courage to wage war on anything that would harm your family, the courage to wage war on anything that would harm your church. I'm asking you to do one thing with me today, and that is to change your label from afraid to courageous. I want you to picture this battlefield, an amazing battlefield. The Philistines and the Israelites, they're on two separate mountains, and there's this valley separating the two armies. But there's one huge problem. The huge problem is a giant by the name of Goliath, and and he is a seasoned, undefeated champion. And what he did is he taunted and dared and threatened the army of Israel. But, But here's the truth. Goliath was not the issue there's really something a whole lot more dangerous standing in the way. What it was, it was wrapped up in his daily message that he delivered out there because it was a message that delivered insecurity amongst God's people. You see, insecurity began to rule in the hearts of God's people, and for 40 days, this man just came out and kept amping it up and amping it up, and he was monopolizing on the fact that he had placed a label upon them. And the label was this, afraid. And this label paralyzed and robbed them of their ability to seize their destiny as it does for us. The label afraid will do the same for every single one of us, men especially. See, no man had the courage to actually enter the valley and fight. See, not one man was willing to go in and defend God's honor. What what happened is every soldier had surrendered basically his own destiny. And think about it. These soldiers had accepted this afraid label. In fact, they were willing to live as slaves rather than to stand up and fight. Kind of crazy, but it's how fear and intimidation works. See, but David was different. He, he believed that he was on assignment to just simply go check on his brothers and deliver some pizza, which we know it was pizza because the Bible said it was bread and cheese. And so, and, and he was out delivering pizza to his brothers, and, and God had a different assignment for him, though. God's assignment was for David to rewrite history. 
So when David got out there and he saw what was going on, he was stunned that not one man from Israel would be willing to accept this challenge from Goliath. Now, in reality, Goliath seemed superior to David on all fronts, but David did not succumb to intimidation. What David did is he rejected the afraid label and he permitted the courageous label on his life. And it's because David really had a firm grasp on his identity. He knew he was a child of God and he had faith in the label of courageous and David then changed history. And that afraid label always produces fear. Fear is a thief. Fear steals courage. Fear paralyzes. Fear imprisons men, primarily in mediocrity. And there are a lot of ways that it manifests itself. Uh, Maybe you're afraid of rejection. Feeling like, well, if I don't keep going out and partying and, and with all the rest of the guys, I'm going to, I'm going to lose my social standing at work and I'll be rejected. Well, my, that, that, that's a lie. Maybe it's the fear of being afraid that you're not good enough. Like, I always fail. I'm, I'm just who I am. Everyone else is better than me. Everyone else is stronger or faster or better looking or more skilled or cooler. I'm a mess. I'm a loser. I'm just not good enough. Men, that's a lie. Well, I'm afraid of not being smart enough. I don't have the intellect. I don't have the bachelor's degree. <laughs> or or I, I only have a bachelor's degree. I don't have a doctorate. I can't do anything. Or no one ever taught me. Man, that is a lie. Maybe, maybe it's that you're afraid of the unknown. Uh, that's, a, that's a big one where you have no idea of what will happen. And, and we tend to think, well, the worst always happens to me. And, and if I propose and get married to this lady that I've been dating for the last 23 years, then my marriage might, might not work out. I mean, guys, that is a lie. Afraid of failure. You see, I don't want to look stupid because if I fail, it will cost me too much and I'm going to be embarrassed in front of my friends. That is a lie. See, these are conversations that we tend to have in our minds that the men in Israel were having in their minds about the battle that was about to happen. And it causes intimidation and it causes fear. And we've sewn this afraid label right smack tab on our foreheads. And every time you look in the mirror, there's another uh, uh, revelation and a reminder to yourself that you are paralyzed and you shall never reach your destiny. So guys, please understand that afraid level, that fear, that intimidation, that, that's a lie. And we need to tear off the label of afraid and we need to put something different on there. When I was in the World War II Museum, I saw a letter on display from uh, General Bernard Montgomery. And it was written to all of the Allied troops and, and 156 thousand men received this letter in their hands prior to D-Day, the Normandy invasion. And in it, General Montgomery quoted a famous soldier, and he said, he either fears his fate too much or his deserts are small, who dare not put it to the touch to win or lose it all. In other words, the general was telling the Allied troops to shed all the fears that I just mentioned and do something great that really mattered. And no, you don't know how things are going to turn out. But, but, but the truth is, nothing will happen unless you put fear and small thinking behind you and dare to win or lose. So he encouraged them to adopt a new label. 
adopt the label of courageous. And that's what I challenge you to do as well. See, this is a label that I strive to live under. And it's a daily journey. It's a daily battle. But the truth is, if you hang out around me and if you get close to me, I will challenge you to live beyond the ordinary. I will challenge you to discipline your life to be different. Man, I'm not looking for guys who are perfect. No, I'm I'm looking for men who have courage. Courage is huge. It's important, and it's critical. Preston, my oldest son, is coming to the platform now, and I tried to instill courage on my sons, this label of courage on my sons from an early age, and, and, uh, and they had the opportunity to either accept or reject that label, and, and so in, in doing so, it, was, it, it allowed us an opportunity to grow together as a family. Now, now Preston, I do recall a time, uh, yeah, thanks, thanks guys for the, for the, the, whatever these are, stools. Yeah. Hey, Dad. <laughs> you know, I remember this time. He was going to this, this cool private Christian school, and I got this call one day. I'll never forget it. I was on the phone. I, I was in my car, and it popped up, you know, the school, Trinity Christian School popped yeah. up. And I'm like, oh, the school's calling. Oh, I wonder what's going on. And I paid my school bill. I, I don't know. So I, I, I answered the phone and said, Tim, we need to talk. Oh, we're jumping straight into this. Oh, my word. Yes, we are. I live with him, guys. But you love it, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. I love yeah. it now. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. But now that you have your own place, right? So, but, but, yeah. You, uh, they, they told me that you had uh, cheated on like a history file. Isn't that right? Or something like that? Yes. <laughs> Congratulations. So, uh, so, what led up to that? Why in the world did you do such a stupid thing? <laughs> well, see, dads can say that, isn't it? Cool. Well, it's good to be here, and uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, so I cheated on my history final, and uh, these are the things that you get to talk about when your dad's the pastor in front of the church. So my it was my senior year graduating, and um, I guess there was I figured there's too much to study for, so um, my my friends and I we we I guess well my friends. I kind of coordinated it, but they broke into the school, climbed in through the roof, and came down. And Wait a minute. Your friends did it, but you coordinated it. You I co- didn't do it. I just Wait coordinated it. Okay, let's just, let's just back up here. You coordinated a break-in into the school by climbing through ceiling tiles. Yes. Okay, continue. But uh, um, Boy, so, that's so we, we ended up, yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> So uh, we, so I ended up cheating on this the history final, and um, it turns out that the uh, test, I mean the answers were duplicated and passed out to um, about eighty five percent of the class. So it turns out that eighty five percent of the class had the exact same test scores. That is incredible. Well, congratulations, I guess. Uh, so, but well, I'm glad that you actually admit that you coordinated. It's more than just cheating on it. You actually coordinated mass some something. That's that's really special. Yeah, thanks, Dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and for those of you who are yet to be fathers, these are. This is just a small. It's a small sample of the wonderful things you get to deal with. All right, back to the story. And when he stands up, you never know how long it'll take before he. <laughs> gets finished pre- preaching, but um, 
But but you know what? I remember this. We talked it through, and what I loved about what you did, because we've, we've had this ever since you were a little kid, and I've shared it with your brothers. It's, it's one of our family values. I always just say, I know, you know mistakes are going to be made in life, but but you had better come clean when mistakes are made mm-hmm. because if you don't and if you lie, I'm going to punish you like nothing else. Mm-hmm. But if, you're, if you tell the truth and you're honest, then the punishment will be a lot less. Yeah, and I'll never forget, I got a call from my mom that, that morning whenever I guess it was all found out, and, and uh, she, she asked me, if did you cheat on this test? And yeah, I did. Pretty, uh, pretty easy. And she said, well, um, you know what you're going to have to do is drive up to the school right now mm-hmm. and find that teacher and go apologize right now. Yeah. And so I remember getting in the car, leaving my friend's house, and um, driving up to the school just completely terrified. I mean, wondering... I mean, what is the worst case scenario? I have to take my, I get kicked out of school. I have to take my whole senior year over again. Yeah. This was it, you know? And uh, I really had done this um, whole thing out of fear that I wouldn't get the grade that I needed and be able to, you know, graduate well. And uh, it, turned it up to, turned out to backfire. So I remember walking into the school and talking to, uh, finding but, but, but the teacher. I, I'm going to stop for a second because I remember us having, this wasn't a quick thing. You didn't just jump over there real quick. Yeah, it was. You, you did? Okay, then I remember the story wrong. Okay, oh, so you, the mama's is back there. Mom's She's here. Like, All right. Well, I, I remember some other conversation, but keep going. And uh, so, yeah, I went up and I, and I talked to the teacher and confessed and apologized, um, which was a terrifying thing to do. Yeah. Courageous thing to do, though. You know that's cool because co- courage is terrifying. Sometimes it's, just, it's it, you know courage is not the absence of fear, but it's conquering the fear. That, that's that's perfect. Good, 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 good job. That's true. Thanks. Yeah, I didn't even know I preached that. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> and um, and uh, I remember after that, um, a lot of other students got caught, but um, it turned out that. Uh, going into the next year that um, I was, actually it was the end of my junior year, not the senior year, so that's right. Because going into the next year, um, I was the only student that didn't have, uh, wasn't suspended for the next year. Um, That seemed like a great thing at first until I got into school and everyone who knew knew that I had cheated and I I wasn't suspended and was um, pretty much, Mm-hmm. Uh, labeled as a, a snitch. So they figured that I had snitched on everybody and told on everyone. And uh, and as a result, I got to be omit from being suspended when it was just going to apologize. Yeah. And um, and this is where... But see, the, you're the only one who did, though. Yeah, I mean, and this is where the tension rose. Is I didn't even want to go back to school because, I mean, I was getting hate text messages. Everybody hates you. I can't believe you did this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was... I mean, for a high school kid it was pretty yeah traumatizing yeah 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 but but you know one of the things that i remember sharing with you is i just i told you this and this line is important but i I remember it (laughs) is it you he would tell me well number one emotions are not reality yeah and things will be different but you would always say uh, whenever a hard decision came is um uh the short-term pain yes um but the long-term benefits will always outlast the short-term pain. Yes, yes. And uh, that's something my dad instilled into me as a young child. 
And um, and really, when when that happened, when you walked through that, I uh, you know I, I, that's when I began to notice notice you as a as a young man beginning really to step out and become a man of courage. But it came through a, just an ugly, terrible situation. Yeah. I mean, that could have that could have turned really, really bad. But thank God you were able to rise to the top, even when you had put yourself you know at the bottom. Yeah. So how have you? let that live out in your life and what, what you know really what are what are some of the foundations some of the things that are in your life some of the, the the realities that that keep you walking down that road of courage because you know courage it's not like we do it all the time 24 7 it's it's a constant decision but but what are some of the things that have helped you to to keep moving forward as a man um and as a man of courage it's just some of the foundations in your life yeah and growing up uh I mean, probably the biggest thing for me growing up was, um, uh, you know, rewind to that story. Actually, the, the people who, the girl, there was this girl who coordinated all these people really hating on me and stuff and, and sending out these hate texts and bullying and stuff. And it turned out that at the end of that year, um, I was actually voted school homecoming king. And it was actually that girl and her friends who were serving me drinks. So God has a plan and a purpose. He can take your mess, turn it into a message in Jesus. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> and you got to take the class over again? Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because there you got to meet Alex Manukian, right? Yes. Yeah. One of the guitar players here I actually met in the class I had to take again. So um, otherwise I wouldn't have known him before. So that's a pretty cool thing. But I, I'm growing up, uh, something that my dad instilled in us. It, growing up, it was never a question on Sunday mornings, are we going to church today? That was never a question. Um, and I didn't realize that until I was older. And it wasn't, I was never, it's, I always wanted to be in the house of God. Um, and I believe as a result of that, being around people who are constantly challenging me and helping me move forward and encouraging me and speaking life into me, even different father figures. I mean, some of my best friends didn't have, present dads that were, they had dads that were either dead or, or just gone. And, um, they found their, they, they're either going to find your father figure in the school or on the street, but what's a better place than the house of God, you know? And, um, I have friends who didn't have father figures who grew up in the church and were raised in the church and found God as their heavenly father and are doing incredible things for God today. And I, 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 uh, I believe that that's, Part of why I am who I am today is because you raised me up. One of our family values is, is for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will be in church. And I don't resent that. I actually love that. I'm so Wow, happy that's good it. to hear you say because a lot of people say, and I've heard it said a lot, that if you make your kids go to church, they will resent it. Did you just say you don't resent it? I appreciate it significantly. Yeah. Yeah. Just think about this. Man, this, this is cool because I... Why would a dad not encourage their son or daughter to be in the most life-giving place, even though all churches are imperfect? Why would someone encourage or allow them to not be in the most life-giving place? That I, do, I will never understand. I will never understand because the truth is, even though they don't always like it, sometimes you don't like it. 
even though you don't always like it necessarily, you're getting God's word and you're getting around the people who are going to hold you accountable. And that's a big part of what the church is all about. Thank you. Thank you for having the courage to actually share your, your story of your, your own, the only flaw in your life, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. You know, it's, it's funny because uh, because Preston is, is this kid. I mean, he's he's always had this this little you know this this other little side of him where he he's challenging. And he was about three years old, and we were sitting in the living room of our tiny little house we first had, and and he comes walking out of the kitchen through the living room, which and toward his room, and it was a very small house, so it's like you know see him walking, and he he had been in the kitchen. We weren't paying attention to him. He came walking by us like this. Like we were sitting over there, he was walking against the wall like this, you know, just his arm down. And he goes, I don't have a knife. <laughs> and I, and then I, you know, all of these things flash in front of my eyes. How do I handle this? Because, because I'm realizing, like, oh, yes, you do. You know, if I, if I jump out there, he could come at me. He could lunge at me with a knife. He, you know, I, I'm not going to go and tackle him because he could stab himself. All of these things go through your mind. How do you approach a young boy who is fascinated with light? And I'm telling you, it was not a butter knife. It was the largest, giant, stinking, sharp butcher knife that existed in the kitchen. And he took it, and he, he, he had it, and I said, oh, well, you need to bring the knife to me. And so we went and talked through it nice and gently, and he gave over his knife. I'm going, good night. This is going to be fun. Hey, but let me tell you, courage is not perfection. Courage is basically ripping off these labels of fear and intimidation. Courage is stepping out into the battle. It's stepping out when you're not sure what's going to happen. It's acting boldly by doing the right thing. And, and, and I'm going to share with you these keys to courage very quickly. The first one is to be humble. Men, be humble. Humility precedes courage always. David was humble. See, God only stitches new labels on the hearts of those who are humble enough to admit that they need the new label. When David uh, saw Goliath out there, he humbly, he it, some other things had happened prior to this as he had humbly allowed God to shape his character. And he did this insignificant task of, men, of watching over sheep. See, God will always prepare you with years many times of unnoticeable, unimportant tasks when God is doing something. See, while, while David was wearing his shepherd's garb, the Bible explains that, that God was actually making him a man of good presence. In fact, 1 Samuel 16, we see a description of a man who presents himself with confidence and excellence. And, and this was all forged in the hills and out on the fields where when nobody was watching and nobody was applauding. I came to this pastor after two years of a season when I was in the desert. It was a place that I actually chose to be. Uh, I chose to not be a pastor for a while and to operate in the business world. And that was an extremely challenging time for my family and for me. Uh, but I did know one thing during that time is that God was preparing me for something new and different. And I had to be humble enough to walk through the time of desert preparation, no matter how long it took, so that I could be trained for the next level. And men, I want to challenge you to be willing to walk through your valley, to be humble and allow yourself to be shaped so that you can be like David, a man of good presence. See, People of courage have to go through the valleys, and that's where we humble ourselves before God, where we can go out for God, and then we can bring glory to God by slaying a Goliath. And you never know when that opportunity is going to happen. That's why we have to keep being faithful in the small things. 
See, James 4, 6 says this. It says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor, favor to the humble. In fact, I'm telling you, one of the greatest ways that you can uh, put yourself in a position of humility is to, is to be in an atmosphere of learning and training. In fact, this Tuesday morning, men, I'm starting something right here, and I'm encouraging every man who is able. I know not everyone can be here, but if you are able to be here tomorrow, a Tuesday morning from 6.30 till 7.30, I'm going to introduce something that you'll have an opportunity to commit to or to say it's probably not for me either way. But it's going to be a time of, uh, I'm calling it warrior leadership training, and it's interactive, it's teaching, it's activity, it's participation, it's growth, it's about shaping you as a warrior who can lead yourself well and who can then lead others well. Tuesday morning, 6.30 to 7.30 right here. But guys, this is your opportunity to be a part of this. I'm not going to extend the invitation again. See, many men never get to slay their Goliath because they think that taking care of sheep is beneath them. And that's pride. And I want to encourage you to have the courage to be humble. A second key, very quickly, is to know that you have a big God. Because fear kept the men from advancing because they saw the giant is bigger than God. And whenever God stitches that courageous label on your heart, giants are going to seem small in comparison to the God that is in you. Because fear will paralyze you, but when you act on behalf of God, you can break out of that fear because faith will mobilize you. David had big faith in God, and, and there's a big God who loves you. And here's my prayer for you. My prayer for you is exactly what Paul prayed for the Christian men in Ephesus 2,000 years ago. He said, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he will strengthen you with power through his spirit into your inner being, man, so that Christ can dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of God's holy people to grasp how long and high and wide and deep is the love of Christ and to know that this love surpasses all knowledge, that you will be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Know that you have a big God, and that's where your courage comes from. Also, men, you need to expect opposition, because it will come from the craziest of sources. It will come from your mind. It will come from your emotions and other people quite often. David's oldest brother, he was one of the intimidated, fearful soldiers who stepped out uh, to, to do nothing. And what he did, though, instead is he unleashed intimidation on his little brother David. If you look in your Bible, 1 Samuel 17, 28, it says, When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, it says he burned with anger. And he says, What have you come down here for? And, and with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert with? I know how conceited you are. I know how wicked your heart is. You only came down to watch the battle. Here is the older brother who, instead of fighting for God, was paralyzed by fear, and then he took the afraid label and tried to put it on his little brother. See, cowards do what cowards do. They criticize. He attacked courageous David. He attacked him. Who are your Eliabs? What are they convincing you to not do for God? Don't let your cowardly critics, men, convince you to limit the work that Jesus wants to do through you and through your life. I mean, even Saul, the king, he was a coward because he criticized David as well, and he himself wouldn't go into battle. His own afraid label had limited him, and he was trying to put the same limitations on David when Saul looked at David and said, you are not able to go out and fight this Philistine. 
See, well-meaning people will project their own fears on you. And here's a teenager speaking to an adult king. I'm telling you, that's courageous. Guys, speak, speak courage. Be courageous. And finally, remember God's faithfulness. God's done big things in the past. God has given you the opportunity to slay lions and bears in the past. Maybe not literally, but in other areas of your life. And when you begin to see God's past faithfulness, it will give you courage for today and for your future. See, because when you live in fear, though, you limit the impact of what God desires to accomplish through you. It's just like what I shared with Preston. What he, when he chose to do what was courageous, the right thing, it's this. I, you must walk through this with courage because the long-term benefits will outweigh the short-term pain. And it reminded him that God will work all these things out. See, overcoming fear has everything to do with remembering that God is faithful. And with faithfulness of God in your heart and your mind, David did what we can do, and that's sprint toward your giant and embrace God's limitless courage. And when he verbalized his courage in front of thousands of soldiers, that was a moment when he was committed because he got out there, men, and this is what we've got to do. You just need to get up in front and verbalize your courage because then you're committed. You see? Committed. That's one of the biggest challenges for men is we don't want to commit to anything. Commit. David said to the Philistine, he said, you come against me with the sword and the spear and the javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I am going to strike you down, and I'm going to cut off your head. And this very day I will give you in the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and all the wild animals and the whole world is going to know that there is a God in Israel. See, limitless courage can be yours. I'm praying that we break a spirit of fear and intimidation over our lives, especially men. Men is the manliest thing that you can do to tear off the label of afraid or intimidated and so on the label of courage. That's what Jesus did at the tomb when he walked out. So go now, slay your giants. Courage abides in you. It's God that brings it up because courage is who you are because Jesus is in you and limitless courage is yours. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray for you to show your life and your power and your strength to every man and woman who's in this room, everyone who's hearing my voice today. I pray that courage will, will soar in our hearts and in our minds, that we will be able to step out of the ordinary and do the extraordinary. God, let us be different. Today, we renounce fear and intimidation, and today, we embrace and receive courage as our new label, our new identity. In Jesus' name, amen.